Thank you for tuning into this week's podcast from Discovery Church. Our hope is that this message would help you seek truth and find purpose. If you would like to know more about Discovery Church, please check us out online at mydiscoverychurch.ca. With that said, let's go to this week's message. Great, uh, great to be here with you, and thanks for coming out on such a cold day. You know, we had some warmth, but then it's like the cold came back, and I know we're doing this series called The Great Escape, and probably uh, you're thinking to yourself, I wish I could escape to like some warm place, you know, like, I don't know, Puerto Vallarta. I, I can't ever say that right, but, you know, want to go escape to somewhere nice and warm and uh, go somewhere there, or, or maybe, I don't know, you just want to escape for a little while and, you know, go see Black Panther. You know, you can sit, you know, in the theater, in climate-controlled environment, and get totally lost there and, and completely forget, you know, that you exist or that you're on planet Earth or that kind of thing. It's like, it is the ultimate escape. I remember, though, when uh, I, I went with... Uh, the girls to go see um, Avatar. And any of you ever see Avatar? You know those tall blue people? That's that's the one I'm talking about. You know, you know they're making a remake in 2020 because we didn't get enough. Uh, so I remember, I remember uh, sitting in the theater and it had the muffled sounds and you really feel like you're in this this exotic paradise, right? And and I remember getting into the car, into the freezing cold, and then trying to get out of that parking lot. And you just sort of slump over the steering wheel, and it's kind of like, are we ever going to get out of here? And, and all I wanted to do, and I heard this is the experience of a lot of people, they actually didn't leave the parking lot. They turned their car around, and they went in, and they saw it again. Because they just didn't want to... Seriously, there was actually a, a mental illness uh, called the Avatar Blues. Seriously, and, and it was because people just wanted to go back to Pandora. They just wanted to go back to paradise. And, and you know, that kind of makes sense, uh, sense to me a little bit. Because if you read the Bible, you know that we were created for paradise. We were made for this absolute, fantastic, climate-controlled, clothing-optional place. We were, we were made to uh, be designed for a garden. And if you, if you know the story from the beginning of the Bible, just first few pages, uh, there was only one rule. There was only one rule. You can have all this paradise, but there's this one tree. This one tree. It's called the knowledge of good and evil. See, they knew good. They knew good. They were God's creation. In fact, they walked with God in the cool of the day, Adam and his wife Eve. And, and they walked in the cool of the day with God. So they only knew good. But they had the knowledge of good and evil if they ate of the fruit. Then they would know evil. Then they would know evil. Because they broke the one rule. And you know, I was reflecting on that story and I, and I was thinking about it. Man. You only had one job. You only had one rule. One rule. You know what? If you hadn't done that, I could tell you my morning commute would be a whole lot better. Seriously. Tax time? <laughs> I don't make any money. I don't pay any taxes. Perfect. And I bet you, if you hadn't eaten the fruit, I'd have a much better head of hair. Uh, you know, it's like 
Seriously, one job, guy. One job. And you hear the, the outcome of that. He eats of the fruit. And this is, this is what the scripture says. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. God's playing it cool. He knows that they, they sinned. There was a disturbance in the force, okay? He knew that sin had entered their creation. But God, he's playing it cool. And so they hide from God. I mean, think about the brilliance of that act. Hiding from God. Although, are we much better? Think about all the times in your life when you ran from God. It's God he doesn't see me. He doesn't see me. I'm doing this bad thing. He doesn't see me. It's like, seriously? And then look at the question. It says, They hid from God among the trees of the garden, but the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? This is what you've got to know. Anytime you read a question God asks in the Bible, he already knows the answer. He's omniscient. He knows everything. So when God asks a question, it's for the person's benefit. What a great question for all of us to consider this morning. Where are you? Where are you? Man, where are you? See, he didn't even recognize that his relationship with God had been broken. That all of creation had been fractured. That his very DNA had become corrupted. He was now on a path toward death. Where are you? What a great, great question. And so, you know, they don't realize they're up a certain creek without a paddle. They don't realize when they're, you know, stringing their fig leaves together that they can't hide their nakedness. They didn't know where they were. But they had ruined their relationship with God. And as you read the story, you realize they had also ruined their relationship with one another. When God asked them, what did you do? What did you do? And he, and he, and he says, this woman who you gave me. Doesn't he sound like a typical male? <laughs> this woman who you gave me. Got to blame somebody else. And then the woman she says, the devil made me do it. And if you read the rest of the Bible, not right now, but if you do it sometime, you read the whole rest of the Bible. Honestly, the whole book is all about God trying to restore that relationship, uh, walking with us in the garden. That's the story of the Bible. If you go into the next chapters, you hear stories about God's people straying from him. He coming in and rescuing them. And then he sends them prophets to kind of talk about, why? Why aren't you loving me? I'm doing all this for you. Why, why aren't you talking to me? Why aren't you spending time with me? Why are you worshiping other things and devoting your life and your heart to other things? And when they came, the prophets came with those messages. Well, one of them, they stuck him in a dung pit. Another, they, they say that they shoved him into a log, and then they did the magician's act, but he didn't survive. They cut him in half. That is the story of the Bible. 
And can you imagine, he, he sent these messengers, sent these prophets, and I can imagine God up in heaven saying, I know, I'll send my son. I'll send my son. If you ever wondered why it had to, be, had to happen, it's because it was, we were in such a desperate state. God says, I'm coming myself. The second person of the Trinity, Jesus Christ, the eternal being, takes on flesh. And, and this, is, this is how one of his closest disciples describes it in uh, the book of John, chapter 1, verse 14. He says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Doesn't that sound like walking in the garden? That's exactly the image that is trying to be made here. That God wants to walk with us once again. He dwelt among us. We've seen his glory. The glory of the one and only son who came from the father. Full of grace and truth. If you ever wonder what God is like. Seriously, if if you're starting to wonder. what, What is God really like? Look again at the Gospels. And every time you see Jesus put in God. Because when you see what Jesus did, that is what God did. When you see what Jesus said, that's God speaking. So you get to know the heart of God. There was one point where his disciples said to him, Just show us the Father and we'll be satisfied. And Jesus says, If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You see, you understand what kind of a heart God has when you see Jesus Christ. And you'd think that everyone would get it. Talk about adventures and missing the point. Although I know I wouldn't, I wouldn't be any better. I wouldn't have thought that this guy walking around is God. I might think, man, he's a miracle worker, he's a prophet. But it's God in the flesh. And so you know what they did to him, right? God is walking among them. And they decide, let's make a mockery of him. Let's let's put a thing on him that that, that says, you know, that he's the king of the Jews. And and let's let's beat him and whip him and, and, and nail him to a cross. Now, if I was God, thankfully I'm not, I'd give up at that point. It's kind of like, seriously, I'm going to find another planet. I'm going to go to the Gamma Quadrant. I'm going to populate it with humans. Maybe they'll accept me. But no. He keeps fighting for us. Instead of just laying in the grave, he rises from the dead and continues to appear to his disciples and says, now do you get it? Now do you get it? That's the story of the Bible. God continuously pursuing us. And even after we nail him to the cross, he still keeps loving us and wanting to pour into us. And in fact, before Jesus went away, he says, I told you these things. I told you these things that you might have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart. I've overcome the world. I can imagine when Jesus is about to leave and the disciples finally get it. If I was done, one of them in that moment, it's like, don't leave me here. Take me with you. There was one of my students who we were at the end of camp and, and he was really touched by God. And the last day, we had our last service and, and uh, I was praying with kids at the front of the church and this guy, Aaron, he's bawling his eyes out. And, and I'm saying, Aaron, what's, what's the matter? He says, I don't want to go home. 
I know if I go home, I'm going to go back into sin again. I know if I go home, I'm just going to fall into the same patterns. I just want to stay here at the camp, like, forever. And maybe you're sitting here, it's like, I believe in Jesus. Why is it that I still struggle? Why is life difficult? Why might, won't my car start? Why is it so cold? Jesus didn't promise us it's going to be happy, 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 happy all the time, you know. It's not going to be like that all the time. In this world, you're going to have trouble. Some of us will even be persecuted. People won't treat us nice. Some of us might get passed over for a promotion. Expect trouble because look what they did to our Lord and Master. It's not going to be easy. Lauren's going to be upset now. He's like, Ron, you're supposed to actually get people to follow Jesus, not to give up on it. But sorry, I can't, I can't promise you a rose garden. I can't promise you every day is going to be sunny and beautiful. And the Bible doesn't promise that. But he did say this. I'm going to prepare a place for you. So that we can be together once again and we can walk together once again. I'm, I'm preparing a place for you. Now think about this. The scripture says that God created the world in seven days. But Jesus went up to heaven about 2,000 years ago, and he's still preparing that place for us. Folks, it's going to be amazing. I can just imagine I'm going to get to heaven, and I'm going to go, wow. A million years from then, wow. Three million years from then, wow. Maybe, maybe after, you know, 100 million years, I'm bringing a walk around. I wonder else who made it, made it to heaven. Uh, my family here, you know? Uh, I, he says he's preparing a place for us. He's preparing a place for us. And how great is that place? Well, the end of the book, the book of Revelation, at the very end, he talks about what it's going to be like when we're all together in that place with him. He says, look, God's dwelling place is among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. What a great ending to a great story. God has been pursuing us ever since the garden, through the prophets, and then when Jesus came, pursuing us and showing us his love. But in the very end, he gathers us all together with him. I can, I can just see that moment. You know, after you've been through all the stuff that you've been through, and, and I don't even have to be a prophet or have the gift of prophecy to know that some of you have had a hard life. And even as a Christian, things haven't been easy. And there's been suffering. And there's been pain. Some people walk around with pain in their body every day. But that moment is coming. And I, and I just imagine, he takes you by the shoulders. He looks you in the eye. And he says, I know. I know there were hard times. I know you were tempted. I know you gave in to sin. 
I know you walked around with a lot of guilt sometimes and shame. I, I know that things weren't the way you dreamed when you were a child. They didn't turn out as perfect. But I'm going to wipe away all your tears. I'm going to fill you with joy unspeakable and full of glory. And as you look into his eyes, you know, it's going to be amazing forever and ever. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be amazing. And then he says, well done. Well done, my good and faithful servant. And you feel anything but faithful. You feel anything but worthy. But he says, well done, my good and faithful servant. Come on in. Come, let's, let's eat together. Let's eat. There's a banquet prepared, and, and you're going to be part of that. You know, and sometimes when, when life doesn't seem good, put your hope in that. Put your hope in that. And I can think of some of the objections that people would have, and as you're sharing the gospel with other people, or if you're here this morning and, and you're not really that into it, I can think of all the, the reasons why this could all sound like it's just made up, like it's, it's just a story. It doesn't seem real. Maybe people are just making this up in their head. Jesus did come to this place, and he changed this world. One day there's no Christians, and then the world is filled with people worshiping and following Jesus Christ. He changed the world. And maybe other escapes seem easier, right? Like, isn't it easier just to binge-watch Netflix for like three days? We can forget about our problems, but, you know, the issue is that our problems are all going to be there when we get back. We could tune out God, we could tune out Jesus, but we're really tuning out the, the best source of help we could ever find in this earth. I don't know, maybe you can say, I tried it. I've tried being that Christian, you know, that good Christian, and it didn't really work for me. Um, people were mean to me. Um, I didn't really get a whole lot out of it at points. And I know, it's, I just don't get a lot from it. What I think, it's probably because you didn't take your relationship to the next level. You know how, you know, in the world today, like most people, it's like, you know, they find someone, uh, maybe they fall in love, maybe they don't, eventually they move in with each other, and then they decide that maybe after we have kids, we should get married or something. You know, like, I don't know how relationships work in our present world, but there's always this idea, I'm going to take this to the next level. And, and I've found with my Christian life, when things are stale, then maybe I need to take it to the next level. You know, if, if you're kind of believing, now you've got to commit. And if you're committed, then maybe you've got to get baptized. I love that movie, Nacho Libre. I probably shouldn't love it, but there's a point where he goes, why have you not been baptized? You know, it's kind of like, I don't know. It's, and I think for Christians, it's like, well, you know, when you're going to get married, you get engaged. And in a relationship with Jesus, you take that next step. It's just a matter of being obedient. Why not get baptized, you know? Why have you not been baptized? Uh, <laughs> And, you know, in some relationships you hear about people and they say, well, I'm, I'm just not that into it. I'm just 
just not that into it. I'm a Christian, but I'm not a good Christian. You met people like that? I'm Christian, but I'm not really a good Christian. Well, you know what? That's where the joy is. It's when you're really into it. That's when you're into it. My wife and I were watching, you know, the, the ski jumpers in the Olympics. Any of you see that? The ski jumpers? I mean, I'm just spitless watching them stand at the top of that thing. And they're going to go down there, you know, 80 miles an hour, and launch themselves into the air. Right? Like, isn't that nuts? And, and I think about that, and, and, uh, and I just think to myself, okay, imagine if the guy wasn't that committed. He stands at the top and decides, yeah, I'm not really into this. And just walks away with his skis, you know? They're not going to do that, are they? You see, the, the real thrill of Christianity, the real thrill of following Jesus, you're standing at the top of that, that, that ski slope, and then you commit. You commit. Yeah. It's scary, but he's going to catch you. You know, you commit, and there's a thrill. There's a thrill. And then you land that thing. Oh, man. It's sweet. Will you commit? Um, and, and wherever you are in this journey of following Christ, there's going to be a new challenge. Will, will you take it to the next level? Will you take it to the next level? <laughs> I guess someone could say this, you know, like you ever ask someone out and they say, well, I'm kind of in a relationship. He's standing right here. <laughs> I think there's some people that they can't commit to this relationship with God, this relationship with Jesus Christ, because they're already in another relationship. See, if you love something else, it's really hard to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, right? We've got favorite sins maybe we love. We've got other things in our lives that we love. And folks, there's nothing I can do for you if you have another relationship, another love. God says you can have no other loves before me. See, that's, that's the pursuit that he had ever since the garden. He wants to be your one and only. He wants to be your one and only. He wants you to love him completely. And once again, that's where the thrill is. That's where the joy is. When, when, when you give him your whole heart, yeah, it's risky. It's risky. You're going to have trouble in this world. But what did I just share with you? It's like the ending is so, so great. <laughs> Maybe, uh, I don't know, like other relationships, you see it in the movies, right? It, the problem's not you, Jesus. It's me. I know of the problem. Darn tootin' you are. Yeah, he's perfect. He really is. Can you imagine growing up, you know, in Jesus' family? Why can't you be like your older brother? He's God. <laughs> he is perfect. He is perfect. You're not going to improve on Jesus Christ. Uh, you could try. You can wait till something better comes along. Maybe Baha'i. I don't know. Maybe you're going to make your own religion. I don't know. Worship a fried egg. Um, take it out of the pan. Bow down to it. You know, it's perfect. It's the perfect, perfect sunny side up. It brings joy to my life. Hey, I once met a, a born-again trekker. I was telling my students in class. She felt that Captain Kirk had saved her life. Let me tell you, okay, he ain't God. Okay? You can do better. You really could do better. 
so you might say, you know, it's, it's kind of like, you know, the problem is, is us. And I meet so many people, they want to get themselves good enough to come to God. No one gets good enough to come to God. He makes you good enough. He makes you good enough. He's been pursuing you. He wants you. Isn't it so great to know that somebody wants you? Somebody wants you? Besides your mother? (laughs) Somebody wants you. And it's God. And he's perfect. And he knows every wrong thought you ever thought. And he likes you anyway. And his love is going to perfect you. His love is going to make you beautiful. Make you beautiful. There's probably another group of people here. You're Christians. You've been walking with Jesus. You're committed to him. And it's like, why does life still suck? (laughs) Why, Why is life difficult? Well, let me tell you this. Yes, we will have trouble in this world. But it could be that you're not tapping in to the resource that's available to you right now, right where you're sitting. Man, there's a joy. There's a joy. I wish sometimes I could just rip it out of my chest and put it into other people. There's a joy that I feel sometimes. And it isn't just, a, you know, getting my tax return. It's, it's, it's just a joy that doesn't even make sense. Why are you happy, you idiot? You have this moronic smile on your face, but you don't get I am forgiven. Ah, you don't get. I know that I'm going to have an amazing eternity. Yeah, I'm going to have difficulty in this world. But Jesus is making this place for me. So I'd like you to imagine, if you could, imagine for a moment what it could be like. What it could be like. I, I was sharing, um, sharing the gospel with a bookstore owner in Peterborough, Ontario, when I was a Bible college student. Didn't know anything. I went in there uh, mostly because uh, we were doing this thing where we had to go witness to someone, okay? Sorry, my motives were not completely pure. I just needed to write up a witnessing report, an evangelism report. So I went into this bookstore, and there was a guy at the cash, and he's saying, you better leave the store before my boss gets here because he hates Christians. Because I had been, you know, I went in under the ploy. Could you show me, like, the Christian books? And hey, what do you think about God anyway? So that was my real tactful approach, right? And he said, you better get out of here before Sandy comes because he hates Christians. Uh, Sandy, I find out, is, had a three-time-a-day pot habit. I uh, used to be a drinker, but he said to me that, uh, that you know, when, when, at least when I do pot, I, I stop beating my wife. I was like, okay. Um, and so he, I, I'm, I'm sharing the gospel with him. And he says, look, I'll become a Christian if you can offer me one thing. Okay, what's that? He said, I want infinite ecstasy, indefinitely prolonged. Okay, I'm there trying to wish I had a dictionary. Infinite ecstasy, that was before the drug existed, infinite ecstasy indefinitely prolonged. And then I realized, you want heaven. Because folks, that's what God offers us in his presence. Infinite ecstasy that will never end, indefinitely prolonged. (laughs) Why would anyone want to be a Christian? Well, 
you get God who's been pursuing you and he's been after you. And for us who are believers here today, I think we can have a moment of ecstasy. We're going to take a moment to pray. And, and you know what? Maybe God is talking to you and say, are you ready to take your relationship to the next level? Where the thrill is and the joy is? Are you willing to commit with both feet? Like maybe it's getting baptized. Maybe, maybe it's, it's, it's going to next steps where, where we learn about how to serve on the dream team here at the church. Maybe it's being committed somewhere that has nothing to do with discovery. But it's, it's taking on a ministry in the city somewhere here. Can you, can you imagine? Can you imagine a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ? If you have no relationship, it's just committing to being in that relationship. If you have a relationship, it's taking the next step, going to the next level. And you know what? You could be a Christian for 50 years, and there's always something more. There's always, there's always something more. Thanks for taking time to listen to this week's message from Discovery Church. If this ministry has impacted you in any way, we would love to hear about it. Please email us at info at mydiscoverychurch.ca.